Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Hey, everybody. I have a special treat today. I have my friend Mike Smith with me. Uh, and Mike is actually with KPMG. I'm going to get let him give a little introduction here. But uh, KPMG used to be one of the firms I worked at, too. So, uh, you know, we had that 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 in common as well. But, uh, you know, Mike, welcome. Why don't you just give a, a brief kind of discussion about your role so people kind of get a context for who you are. Sure. And then we'll just start talking and jump in because I know pre pre hitting the record. We don't know exactly where this is going to go, but we're going to have a fun time <laughs> because there's a lot of stuff that we have in common sure. uh, to talk about. So. Yeah, great, Jason. Thanks for having me. Excited to to share perspective and 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 uh, have a dialogue with you and and the and your listeners. So, I guess a long time listener, first time uh, joiner today. Ah. Uh, anyway, so thanks for doing what you're doing. By the way, I didn't mention that before, but thanks for doing what you're doing for for all of us, uh, especially the younger folks that are kind of getting into this profession and navigating their way through uh, how to become even even greater. So, so for me, I am, um, I am our U.S. Uh, internal audit solution leader, which is kind of a, a, our internal title for um, our innovation development, product development, where we're heading, uh, who do we want to be when we grow up uh, as mm -hmm. internal audit. I split my time doing that and, and delivering internal audit services to clients. Uh, predominantly where I live in Dallas, I've got to spend some time in, all over the, over the U.S., but um, in New York and, and Dallas mostly. But um, Take, takes me around and, and I get to lead a team of people much smarter than I am uh, that have all kinds of different backgrounds. We call it the COE, the Center of Excellence around Internal Audit Reimagined. So I get to do that and, and partner with our colleagues across across the U.S. and the globe. So cool. fun stuff. Very cool. One as you were talking about it, because it actually reminded me, I mean, we can talk about whatever we want to on here, right? So right. <laughs> you're the owner. I can do what I want. Yeah, amen. No, it's, it's funny because it's, you know, life, life takes us on different pathways. Right. Mm. And so when I was, I was still at KPMG and I, I gotten to that point in my career, right. Where you have to kind of decide, okay, I was in a smaller market. It's time to either, you know, go back to New York kind right. of in, in the professional service group um, and do mm -hmm. a stint there or move to one of the bigger offices. And uh, so I did a big 4,000 mile trip one year uh, and Dallas was one of them that was on the list. So I went to yeah. Dallas to see what Dallas was like. So yeah, who knows, had had one of my clients not approached me like, you know, four months later and hired me to start their internal audit department, I might have transferred down to Dallas and we right. might have been right. in the same office really knowing right. each other That's for funny. a while. So small world. Small, world. small world how it is. And Anderson before that, right? Yeah, it was Anderson before. I think our paths I don't think our paths crossed there if I don't I don't recall, but uh, did my five year stint before KPMG at Anderson uh, and Houston. Okay, so you transitioned just like I did then going from Anderson to KPMG with the, yeah. with the whole sinking of the ship. Wow. Right. All right. 
so many all right anyway woo, see amazing how and uh you know folks well this is one thing because i'll bring up too just real quick and then i want to get into kind of the discussion because we've sure. got some great things that we can talk about but i know there's been a lot of people um worried about well how am i going to develop relationships virtually when i can't see people okay folks here's here is a real life you just heard it okay I, you know, even though we worked at two of the same firms, they're very big firms. So we didn't know each other when we were there, right? But we got connected on LinkedIn, I don't know, two or three years ago. Uh, I don't know when it was exactly. I sent Mike some messages. He's kind of seen what I've been doing. He starts right. listening to the podcast. We send messages back and forth. We've talked a few times. Right. And even though we've never physically been in the same room together, we've built a rapport with each other. Right. We've, we've, we've learned, we've gotten to know each other uh, and find where those commonalities are. So anyway, it's not the purpose of this podcast, but like I said, I just, this is a real life example of you can do this. Okay. Mike and I, I'm going to use the word friends. I hope I can say that word Absolutely. now. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> that, that we're actually friends, even though we've physically never met each other. Right. Well, that's the thing. I, I mean, I, I even think about, the factor on Zoom, I know we're all spending far more time on the Zoom than we probably have cumulatively in our lifetime or would have thought we had. But even on a personal side, like my brother lives in Florida, my mm -hmm. sister lives in Colorado. And we would, you know, we would occasionally, I'm the youngest of three, we would occasionally connect. But now we're seeing each other and deepening the rapport uh, and friendship and kinship and family every Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. we talk for an hour with my dad and my siblings, and but it's effort. Right? I have to set aside that time, which is I'm glad to do. But I think we've we've got to get away from the barriers that are preventing us, whatever those may be personally and professionally, be able to spend the time that matters. And I was telling you before, I had my first audit committee meeting in person this week. Thank you to my client that said we come on out. And after we cleared all the hurdles internally for being appropriate to and my my check-in service now. Temperature and check and all that, yeah. It was extensive, but appropriate. I, it totally makes sense. But it's it was really fun. Um, and so I think one of the things that's reminded me of is that you, you gotta, you've got to, um, it's more important now than ever to find some times to go spend time individually with people um, and even in this forum too. So yeah, take advantage of it. Well, yeah, and it's, um, you know, so let's kind of get in and talk about, because like, a, you know, it's, I love having these discussions regardless, but to try to maybe give some things for people to take away and learn yeah. as well, right? So, you know, I know one of the, one of the terms that you kind of threw out, finding new ways to thrive, yeah. I think is a great, I love, I love that um, term in general, but, you know, I think as, as, as we've been talking, even though, you know, we both got lots of experience technically, ultimately i think we share a common um desire to help our profession in general mm. more than just from a technical standpoint and so that's why you know you hear me talking about some weird things sometimes um but maybe maybe we can kind of get into to some of that a little bit because i know you kind of have a passion as well around helping people right. in the profession that's right um so yeah, what are what are some things I guess that yeah. you know as you as you think about to to try to help people? Yeah, my, let me frame it just for a second, even further. You know, I um, there's so much challenge with uh, currently right now. Listen, the environment we're in, unemployment levels, we're, we're blessed to all have employment, right? And for those around us, I think we're responsible as leaders to continue to nurture them, care for them, 
personally, professionally, you know, I, I have a, one of my best friends is the chief in the fire department and his adage is if you're great at home, you're probably going to be great at work. Mm -hmm. um, so the union of those things is important. So as we think about how we serve with others well, I think having a frame framework, and I'm an optimist as I've shared with you, right? I think the glass is always half full and if it's not, just get a smaller glass. Um, <laughs> or, or it's always full. Yeah. It's just the ratio of liquid to air. <laughs> That's even better, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think, I think having that perspective and being very, I appreciate the balance of all of this of the reality we're facing, but um, I, I get really excited when I can get, and I call it the trifecta, uh, together to realize what great internal audit means for our profession. And the trifecta to me is, is the board level, the executive level of across the enterprise and that audit leadership, right? Yep. Um, and I say audit leadership, not just CAE, because I think we all know there's times when that CAE is really um, challenged by the connection with his or her direct reports. And so having a con not only a great vision, but a great team. Um, and so that clearly starts with a strong CAE and what they're doing to develop themselves, their teams, et cetera. I know you, you do a lot of that as well, but I get really excited when we can get those folks together to figure out, you know, to use the phrase, like new ways to thrive. Yeah. And so I, if, if you look across what we do and the mandate we have, if you go academically to, you know, to preserve value and, and, and to, to create value, right, organizational value, I think now more than ever, we have an opportunity to really kind of think through what that means to the organization today versus what it meant, you know, last year. And um, most, you know, most good CAEs have some strategic vision, strategic documents, did you plan, right? That's kind of table stakes, I'd say, but there are plenty that don't, or, or they haven't really kind of refreshed from a, what I'd say a customer standpoint. Like what is mm -hmm. the customer of the value chain that we create? Um, audit committee, executive management, your own team, right? There's a lot of stakeholders, regulators for those industries, et cetera. And how does that kind of, what should those individuals be thinking about um, as they recast what their vision is to be moving forward? Yeah. And I think it, it has, I think it's been changing in general, but I think this situation we're going through just accelerates certain things. It's almost like it pours gasoline on the fire. A little bit, right? Oh, for sure. Diesel, probably. <laughs> Diesel, more specific, because it burns better. Texas, so I, I got to, you know, <coughs> probably, probably. Oh, there we go. <laughs> for those of you, you know, I know it's usually audio, but you got, you missed the cowboy hat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it. Deep in the heart of Texas. Okay. Anyway, we got to get back, right? No, the, um, but yeah, because I, th I think, you know, like you said about thriving, thriving is such a great word. And, and I, th I think there's a lot of different, <clears throat> you know, pieces to this. Like you said, the trifecta, the board management audit, right? Mm -hmm. and audit leadership. Right. And, and, you know, a lot of times it depends on the organization. Each, each group is kind of different, right? Sometimes there may be a relationship issue with the board. Sometimes there may be a relationship issue with management, sometimes there may be a relationship issue within the audit leadership as well, right? And sure. so, you know, just like you said, you know, your your friend who's the fire captain, mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's good at home, it's good at work. Um, I think that's, and if it's not good at work, it's usually not good at home. That's and right. if it's not good at home, it's not gonna be not, it's not gonna be good at work. And I, and I think this goes, um, you know, into one of our, 
passions that both of us have is kind of the work life and the human aspect to it. Mm -hmm. But also, as you were talking is, you know, when you, when you think of it kind of from a trifecta standpoint, if audit leadership is not going good, then the relationships with those right. other two groups is not going to go good as well. Right. So you think about it, even within the organization, if you're having trouble with your team, if you're having trouble managing yourself, right. Well, good luck folks with trying to help manage the board and management, you know, as well, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so one of the things I think about is, is we all tend to shy away sometimes from a, a full kind of health perspective and, and, um, plenty of uh, views on whether it's, it's uh, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, physical health. And I think people gravitate mostly towards the physical health, I'd say. Um, but I think they're all connected and, and you could, you could argue different ones have different levels in the individual organization, but I think you have to step back and think through kind of how we're doing across those different dimensions. And I love the connection, right. Of the, of the, the health of one branch of the trifecta, um, being enmeshed, right? Being influencing, influencing rather those other two. And so I think for, for your listeners, I'd, I'd really challenge individuals to step back and see where they are, kind of do a bit of a health check, right? Um, and that could look personal, that could look as a team. And, and where are we as a team? We just had a conversation with one of my teams this morning uh, that felt like we, because of the COVID, we'd stopped meeting, kind of allowing our, the whole staff to get together, talk about what's important to them, I mean, considering the social injustice is going on, considering uh, the pandemic, considering the recession, considering, you know, rifts that are with some of our friends, like there's a lot of burden, much less, by the way, we still have to deliver high quality product. Mm -hmm. But, but do it home alone. Do it home. You're not surrounded by anybody, right? Or, or the three plus roommates you have all around the dining room table, <laughs> right? Or, or you and I in our house, and my, I guess then my daughter walks in and my dog, I mean, that's just, that's fine, right? But I think, I think we need to spend just a little bit more time there and equip as leaders the right tools for those individuals to drive forward. And so I think some of that may look, you know, there's, there's plenty of, um, let me step back. So if you look at how our colleagues in finance, IT, HR, name a function, are thinking about how they're transforming their agenda, they're probably not thinking about the mental health as, as much perhaps, which is maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but arguably the, the, the operating model they're thinking about has you know, at least a handful of dimensions. And we tend to think people process technology, I know. But what about the delivery model, the working virtually? What about working in different locations? What about, what about the, um, the metrics and insights? And what are we doing around data? And how are we measuring ourselves? Or what about governance? Is the governance the same as it was before as it is now? And so I think we kind of have to expand our, the aperture from people processing technology to think more broadly around, like how do, how do our other colleagues thinking about, apart from this environment, how to transform, how to create more value, how to deliver, how to be purpose-filled, how to care for our people. And I think you gotta have, you know, those three or four other dimensions added to your repertoire as you're thinking through, where are we, how are we doing? What do we wanna do differently? What's the new way we wanna uh, thrive, right? In the near term, what actions do we wanna take and, and how do we wanna plot them out? Well, and I think that's important too, because it's, um, you know, like you said, you, you can take something like an HR function. Okay. They're probably always going to have been thinking about people's well-being a little bit more, hopefully, because maybe that's why they went into HR, right? right? Where in, in internal audit finance compliance, you know, we're, we're kind of mainly 
get her done kind of, you know, rule, check the box, whatever kind of thing, stay within your lane. And, and that's, that's one thing that, you know, looking at some of these other dimensions and just being honest and realizing you can't fully separate your personal life from your business life. Hopefully, right. hopefully this, you know, like you said, if your daughter walks in, whatever, right? I mean, again, it's like, well, oh my goodness, Mike, you have a daughter, right? I mean, it's, it's who you are, right? And, and the personalities that people have and, and that whole idea behind, because there's been a lot of scientific research, most, most, a lot of, to most of the actual physical health symptoms actually have some mental or psychological and emotional basis to it. Right. And so if we, you know, think that we're auto robots and we just kind of, you know, right. we don't have to deal with or think about emotion because we're not supposed to do that. Right. I right. did a webinar on this folks. It's like 95% of your decisions are made by the back subconscious part of your brain seven seconds before you consciously recognize it. You know, you can argue with me, but there's a lot of scientific research that proves it. So it's like, just admit that we're emotional beings and allow people to be emotional, but to know how to have emotional intelligence and regulate it and have resilience and teach people how to do some of that stuff. Um, Cause if not, honestly, our job sometimes can get pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's where you have to come back to, you know, for our, our values have been distilled down to, and I'm from Texas, so I, this reference you might appreciate it more, but it's the, the acronym I remember is for better iced tea, because um, I'm in Texas. So mm -hmm. we all are here for better. Like, what are we going to do that drives something better? Um, the I, integrity, clearly having ethical decision-making. C, courageous, right? Mm -hmm. Having the willingness to go into battle. And and my one of my mentors used to say, listen, the client, be empathetic about, the, about their client's whether, whether it be for the listeners, you're the oddity, right? Um, or whoever that might be and stand in the breach. Like you may not be the person to solve all their issues around that risk domain or that process or that step or that, but at least be willing and courageous to stand in the breach. Um, and then there's the idea of excellence, right? I mean, that clearly we all want to be better. We want to contribute. We want to add value. And then ultimately the T together, like there's no one that's going to, this profession, I love this profession because it, it requires you to work with others. And that's what, that's encouraging to me. That's how I'm wired. Um, there's plenty of individual work and, and you can be an individual contributor. The magic is when you get a bunch of individual contributors together. So as you go through this journey of like work and life and all these things, I think being anchored into the right value set, those are the ones for me and for us. Um, but whatever those values are for enterprise, it allows you, I think, to frame up how to make those decisions better to move forward. I mean, the, that notion of uh, being task oriented can't agree with you more. Like that's, that's an, that is both a blessing and a curse, like everything blessing of the detail and the awareness and the connection, the curse of kind of the balance of being only in that and then having kind of that top down reminder of what are we, what is the enterprise trying to accomplish for all the stakeholders, right? Whether it's be the growth agenda, values agenda, social responsibility agenda, ESG. I mean, there's tons of things like that, but, Let's anchor into those things as we move. Well, and especially kind of from a leadership perspective, right? You know, because again, that's part of that trifecta is the leadership themselves. And, right. um, you know, realizing or being able to kind of set that vision, the strategic plan, explaining to people, you know, that are, that are 
working with us, how what we do actually impacts um, the organization, how it makes it better. Because, because so many people, one of the, one of the biggest um, complaints that people have at work is that they don't see how what they do actually contributes. You know, they feel like they're just kind of given a task and, you know, it's like mushrooms, right? You feed them shit and you put them in the dark. That's what I was told, right? You know, that a lot of employees right. get treated like mushrooms. Right. And, and the problem is, is after a while, you don't, you don't understand how you're contributing. It leads to some dissatisfaction, disengagement at work. And then eventually people end up going off and doing something else, right? Because they don't understand how they fit into the bigger picture. They don't feel appreciated. And, um, you know, without having some of that in there, you know, it, it's incumbent upon the leadership to actually help share that, you know, and, and be honest and real with people um, right? as well. Well, I mean, you got to be able to bring your, I mean, let's go back to the concept of the whole, like, in my words, like the whole self, bringing your whole self to work, like whatever that means, right? Let's, mm-hmm. let's focus on not just the diversity and inclusion agenda, which I think is critical, is overlooked in most organizations for a variety of reasons. But clearly one of them is because if we have different backgrounds, we're going to have different origin stories that drive different perspective. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what we need. And so if that's the case, what does that mean for our profession specifically? So if we had, let's present the idea of an internal audit generalist. Is that the future? Will we have even more generalists? I think that's uh, likely not the case. I, I, I would agree. Will, right? We will have these levels of expertise. And so what if, as we think about our whole self, what about your personal interests, you know, auditor Joe or Joanna, right? And those personal interests may be in a risk domain or a, a way of interacting with the business. Perhaps you're more emotionally intelligent than another person. Maybe you're having a different role. And so I really am excited about the idea that if we do this right, we're actually tapping into expertise that we, we don't really recognize as the value. And then I, I'm thinking about, you know, we were helping a, a CAE with, kind of the auditor of the future program. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. Um, and we all know about bias, but the similarity bias that was penetrating the team, meaning they were hiring themselves over oh. and over and over. That's right? been go- that's been going on that's for a long new. time. That's not right? new. That not is not new. new. So, but but uh, while not being new, how many people have really shifted from that? How many people are doing their assessment centers totally different? Not very many. Not enough. Yeah. I, I don't so, think it's even probably very many. I don't know if you have any more evidence, but. I, I, nothing statistical, but uh, supposition would say few. Yeah, few, few. The premise was like listening to them. And, and these are some, uh, it was really interesting to hear some expertise, again, outside of just internal audit, but applying it to our professional needs around if these are the types of future capabilities and expertise that we need to complement the core of a who we are as an internal capability, then we need to think about how we assess them differently, how we search for candidates, how we screen candidates, who screens candidates, how we get back together and challenge each other um, mm-hmm. to contribute differently to that's the right person or that's not the right person. So I think all, if we can bring as leaders like that perspective together around the, the future auditor, right? The, the idea of kind of rethinking, recognizing some of bias, but actually doing something about it. I mean, mm-hmm. even just case studies, what if we just required case studies for every new hire? 
it seems like a pain in the ass if you got to look at a bunch of case studies, but at the same time, maybe you need to be doing that because you're allowing people to create something. And don't we want people to be creating something and problem solving and being critical thinkers? Like those are basics. And can you do that in a, in an interview where you say, tell me about your past and what's yeah. the three things that you really regret or, you know, those kinds of questions. Well, you can't. And it's interesting too, that the, um, when you go back to the recruiting process, I would actually advocate that, uh, any resumes have the name and any personal information removed from it because even the name That's right. um, biases people unconsciously. They don't, they don't realize it. And right. so if you're going to assess someone, you know, like you said, certification, where they went to school, all that stuff may not, probably never has been as important as we make it. It's just an easy binary way of screening candidates. That's right. But like you said, you know, doing something like a case study, you know, even the difference of, um, you know, in the, in the interview questions, right. There's, there's situational, there's traits based interview questions. There's attributes kind of based ones, you know, where it's like, you know, you hear, some of the stories of it's, it's something that, that nobody would know. I think a Google question that I heard was, okay, imagine that you're a, a washer, a little metal washer in the bottom of a blender and the blender gets turned on and the wheel, you know, the blades are going, how do you get out of the blender? Well, there's, there's no one answer to that. <laughs> right. right. That's, that's more of a, of a reason to, you know, see how well somebody can take something that's ambiguous, actually apply it, understand it, and, and kind of come up with an answer, right? It's, it's kind of similar to like some of the old IQ questions. How high is the sky? Right. Well, it depends on how you define the sky. Are you talking about right. the atmospheric pressure? Are you talking, you know, it's like right. you, you want people that, that are going to be able to think more, but that's going to mean that it, we do. We have to change our recruiting process but we also have to change and not continue to hire the same people over and over again. Cause I agree with you. I think the general auditor, while some are, are needed, there's going to be more and more specialization, right. which is going to also mean that there's going to be more and more diversity within the audit team. That's and right. again, I'm not talking about diversity, you know, from an ethnicity standpoint, mm-hmm. but, but, diversity of personalities of ages of you know the social construct that we all bring based on our experiences and and the more the less homogenous the group is the more emotionally intelligent we have to be to get along with everybody right and and to to use the strengths from everybody right well and and people look at that and go that just sounds hard Right, because now we got a bunch of people, and oh, but where are they located? Are they are they in person? But that we're based here, and 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 you got to go back to the adage of nothing, uh, nothing good is easy, right? So I mean, you get it's going to take effort. So why would we, if we see things that are valuable in the way, you know, again, just the our teams are structured, why why wouldn't we spend the energy? Because the things that are hard could be exactly the right answers for what you want to do differently, and so. 
you know, I, I don't know if it was jobs or Google, but the old 70, 20, 10, like how are you spending your energy around change and innovation? You know, 70% is around the core things of what you do, perhaps executing your audit function, the 20% are adjacent and the 10% are aspirational. And so I think we could apply that to all the dimensions we're talking about, mm -hmm. whether it be investment dimensions around, everybody thinks we should go digital. So where are we going to spend all our dollars on technology and digital? Or how are we thinking about people? Uh, how are we thinking about the types of risks for focus on. I think there was a study that um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but the premise was, you know, 96% of the risk functions were focused on like 14% of the risk domains that caused the biggest issues. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah. so how are we rationalizing focus investments and time, effort, people to be able to do the things that really matter. And it's going to take some, some energy. Well, it is. And I think, you know, kind of back to that study that you're saying, if, if, <laughs> A lot of that, again, was probably unconscious bias by the risk people because they were more comfortable or they understood right. those those 14 or 16 percent of the risk. They had no idea that the other 80 percent of risks actually exist. Right. Right. And again, it's nothing about them. But if you've got a very homogenous team that thinks the same way, has the same personality, you're, you're not going to have the best results. And like right. you said, it's hard. But, you know, again, studies on diversity of boards, right? The more women that are on, the more minorities that are on, those companies actually perform better in the long term than right. the homogenous boards. Right. So there's empirical evidence that it's actually true. Right. But like you said, it's hard. We, we, you got to actually do things consciously. It means, you know, we might actually have to develop relationships and get to know people right. on our team instead of just treating them like some machine, uh, you know, here's your task list, you know, put in your 70 hours this week and uh, right. we'll see you next week. You know, right. Right. That, that ain't going to go over well in right. the future because the world consciousness, if you will, is kind of changing. Right. And this, this whole, maybe we can kind of talk as, you know, a little bit at the end here about this whole self at work, because I think that's, mm -hmm. that's something that's coming it's been coming this way. We have to be more uh, open and accepting of it, mm -hmm. because if we're not, you're not going to you're not going to succeed in the future right. if you don't allow people to be their whole self. Yeah, that's right. Well, and and I'll just tell a quick story about my, myself. You know, I'm I'm a, a big cyclist. Like I love. I've been reading, reading, riding, uh, don't do a lot of reading, but uh, riding <laughs> or racing bikes for about 30 years. And during this crisis, I've been riding more because you know what, I don't have to commute, you know, 30 minutes yep. for each way, got a little extra time. But I found it interesting. I did a few weeks where I'd take a lunch break and I'd go ride and I'd listen to your podcast or somebody else's podcast. There's several I mentioned earlier. Um, and I found that I came back really recharged, like the afternoon, and it was similar to those times when we would all go to lunch, right? We'd go to lunch and just, we'd have a little business conversation, but maybe a little bit of personal conversation or something expanding or just reset. And I find that to be able to bring our whole self story, I'm not promoting that everyone needs to go ride a bike at lunch, but, uh, <laughs> uh, especially when it's hundred degrees in Dallas. But anyway, it's, it's a lot of fun, right? To be able to find ways to recharge yourself. And that's one of the ways I do it. Um, and, and and it's been great because of the flexibility we have, but that allows me to have a different perspective, to listen better to my team, to listen better to oddities and clients, right? To lead better through influencing my thinking a little different and having a different perspective. Um, and so I think as, as we really challenge ourselves, what does that whole self mean? 
um, is it okay to, for me to tell people I go ride my bike at lunch? Like there's a day when, gosh, I can't believe you do that. Why aren't you doing X, Y, and Z? Uh-huh. So I think even in that conversation, you start to think about, are we willing to explore what the merge of work life is? It's, it's kind of work life sometimes. Now I will get online, to, to be honest, I will get online last night. I got online and sent a bunch of emails like 10.30 last night um, to no one that I expected a return from. But I had some time. I wanted to get some things out. I was really focused and alert, and it made sense for me. Mm-hmm. A couple hours earlier, doing some other things from family. So I think we're going to have to realize that we, we've none of us have had an eight to five or nine to five or whatever job for more than decades, right? Um, and this profession requires you to uh, really and gives you an opportunity to lean in at different times, in different ways, um, and contribute value in, in, in that way. So I think it's important to think about the diversity at which we use our own energies and how we recharge to be able to be better uh, in doing that. So, Well, yeah, because we have to do it ourselves, right? We, we, you need to be responsible for doing it for yourself, but right. we also have to allow others in the organization to do it as well, right? So I, I participated in the Mindful Workplace Summit a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole idea, again, that you know, 20 years ago, people would have been aghast at this, but large companies actually setting aside workspace, you know, for people to go in for a quiet room, right? You know, in the old days, it'd be like, you don't need to take a nap during the middle of work, right? Or you don't need to be quiet. You need to be out here working, right? Or, you know, doing, um, allowing somebody to do like yoga, you know, in, in premises during the lunch hour for those who wanted to go and do yoga together, right? Mm-hmm. Little things like that that actually help recharge, energize people. Um, in fact, I'm going to get the study wrong in which book it's actually from. But again, they've they've done a lot of research on productivity, and you're better. You, we can only concentrate every about twenty twenty to thirty minutes solid right. anyway, right. and so you're better off to work in like a fifty minute mm-hmm. increment with a ten yeah. minute break. Right, and so. Whether that break is getting up, walking around, going outside, riding your bike for 10 or 15 minutes or whatever, or, you know, reading a book, doing, doing a Rubik's cube. You know, I actually have a Rubik's cube on my desk because it literally stopping and taking two minutes to manipulate that Rubik's cube actually changes the hemispherical uh, connections in my brain and kind of recharges and then allows me to actually get back to doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And so it's, it's all these little things and to realize that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to bring your whole self to work because actually that's what makes us stronger too. That's right. That's right. When it, when everybody, when we, when we rely on everybody's strengths, that's, that's how we become a better team. Yeah. And you realize where the challenges are. I think people become more open around where they are challenges and you find that, as we look and one of the another reason I love this profession is we get to serve right I mean we we get to serve the board management our teams like the breadth of impact we can have is if done right that's why I love the, what great internal audit can be for a company mm-hmm. is phenomenal and that that means that there are strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats and all the strategic you know perspective you may have but to be able to to make a lift I will make it so I'm a college dropout right I don't know if I remember telling you this but yeah um, what? How can you work at KPMG if you're a college dropout? Well, I did go back actually. <laughs> drop out, drop in. Maybe that's okay. Okay, there we go. There we go. Like more of a V, maybe a U, really not a V. <laughs> but 
Um, but I, I finally remember, so Kevin Farley was a roommate of mine back in the day at Southwest Texas, and, and um, I'm sure he's listening today. But uh, he, uh, he and I would have these, like, we got to go study. Like, I know, like, both of us, in essence, were dropouts, but we were back in, and we were full tilt, and we were getting this thing done and getting it done well. And it worked great, and I got a job and all that kind of stuff for the rest of history. But we used to do the, like, set the alarm. We did 45 minutes, by the way, because we, we had short attention spans. But um, <laughs> 45 minutes, and then, like, for 15 minutes, we dork around for and it was amazing like we both did a heck of a lot better on our pursuits academically and by the way had some fun you know uh, although not really quiet in the Alcac library at southwest texas we were <laughs> in trouble occasionally but it wasn't a quiet for but i think that's really right and but what i find is that people don't apply that outside of academics i don't think no. people are applying that in their professional aspects so if you're going to go write a report we we reporting uh, is uh, in my opinion, um, overweighted um, and mm. and overcome like overweighted from a like this is what we're doing. We're writing a report. This is the most important thing that we do. I think it's too weighted too heavily. And two, it's usually takes way too long and it's a pain in the ass. Right? That's that's the stigma of 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 reporting. Reality is like when you're going through challenges, if you whether it be whatever philosophy you have on agile and all the different ways you're going to get work done. Ultimately, we're trying to drive an impact. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to drive an impact, how how do you bring your best self? How do you how do you collaborate with a business owner? How do you do it real time? How do you take breaks? Let's let's really work on you know this one item and really beat it down for an hour or forty five minutes applying this right. I think that's really important to step back from, especially for our people that are earlier in their career that are being led by people that have been in this career for a long time and maybe there's this dissidence, barring a term I think you were using previously mm -hmm. around kind of how people are driving them to be led when reality is there's a much better way to work that they probably had in their academic environment, but they haven't applied their professional life. Well, and it's funny because, you know, in, in our profession in general, m most people's personality is we don't like change. That's, right. that's kind of why we were gravitated to this field anyway, right? Yeah. Is, is risk averse, don't like change. Right. And, and so much of the time, like you said, we, we have a hard time understanding why there needs to be change, right? So again, you know, like when, when we both got into public accounting, I'm sure right. your experience was like mine, right? I worked a lot of hours. I was an external audit, you know, Thank to you. begin with. And we're talking, you know, 80, 90 hour weeks, some week, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And that was just expected. That was what history said. That's what we did, right? Oh, well, quick just, aside, by the way, my first project was like nine of us in a room and no one in this podcast will know what this is maybe except for you with microfish machines oh yeah, oh, yeah. microfish uh-huh and it was all invoices and we our job was to look through each one of those pages on a microfish and then put it back in a box we each have like <laughs> a box, and find sales tax that was our job it was okay. brutal and we were working seven days a week to your point like it's it was it is hard work mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of lame in my opinion but it was long hours for sure well, in, in, in the, the idea that just because that's what we experienced, I think right. that's where as a leader, right. great leaders are those who realize that the world is different now than mm -hmm. it probably was before and then have the courage to actually do things different right. and, 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 and be that positive change. Yeah. Um, you know, there was no reason, like we had a stupid requirement. You had to come in on Saturday. And I remember one week I, I literally worked 90 hours in the five days. So you do the math. I didn't sleep right. very much that week. Right? right. And then the manager still told me I had to come in on Saturday. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You work 60 <laughs> hours the last five 
and I still have to come in on Saturday. Things like that, that just are silly. They're silly stories that we've told ourselves of the way the world is. Most of the things that we believe that way are actually not really true. And so having the courage to actually, you know, stand up and say, Hey, we, we don't have to do it this way. Hey, you know what? It's okay. If you take a 10 minute break every hour, I would encourage you to do it. You're going to be more productive, right? right? I would encourage you to, you know, go ride your bike during lunch or whatever it is. Right. Right. Or if you're, if you're not a morning person, sure, you can come in at 11. Right. But you're still going to be working later. I mean, it's, you know, I've got one guy on my team. He, he sleeps during the day usually. So it's almost like, you know, he's, he's halfway around the world. So we, we know that, you know, I require that there has to be a certain amount of my working hours and his working hours to overlap. But uh, that's just from a training perspective, but he gets his stuff done, you know, at two or three in the morning when I'm asleep. Right. And, and to realize that things like that are okay going forward. Right. So let me ask you this, um, uh, and we may be getting, keep me honest on our time, but um, audit, uh, CAEs, what's the biggest challenge you guys, you're hearing, and I'd love to compare notes for CAEs, like in all, all this aside, like this all, we're in, we're in, right? You and I are in, but there's mm-hmm. all these practical realities, constraints, et cetera. What's, what are the top couple that you hear most persistently among leaders? Well... <clears throat> I think probably the, the, the two, especially kind of in this arena right now, is we, we tend to be victims of our circumstance. Mm-hmm. And so these two things that I, that I hear over and over again are more people playing victim without really realizing it. And I know this is a harsh reality for a lot of people, but we all play victim more than we realize it, if you stop and think about it objectively. But the ones that you always hear is, I, you know, my budget's cut. Nobody will give me any money, blah, 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 blah. They don't value internal audit. I can't hire people. Most of the people that are doing that are, are in that victim mode. The reason why they're usually not getting it is because they don't know how to make a sales pitch. They don't know how to, they haven't developed relationships with people uh, and, and know how to actually use emotion. They're not emotionally intelligent. They don't understand how decisions are made. Um, and so, so that's, that's one that I, I hear from almost everybody. I mean, there, there's rarely a chief audit executive that goes, wow, I get paid way more than I should be. And I have all the budget that I ever need. Right. Right. So that's, so that's one. Um, another one that I'm hearing too now, especially in this environment is, Oh, you know, how are we going to do audits virtually? How am I going to, how am I going to develop relationships? How am I going to, going to interview people? And you know, all this stuff that's virtual now. Well, again, for the most part, folks, it's just a different medium. You're still doing the same things. You know, you you can still develop a relationship with somebody like we talked about at the beginning, right? right? Mike and me, yeah, right. right? Exactly. You can do it. Yeah. But, but so don't, don't fall into that victim mode of thinking, oh, it's different. I can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. The medium just changed. The principles are the same. Just go out and do it. <laughs> right. Right. You know? Well, I think um, I hadn't thought about those two from the standpoint of this, this, um, the victim, kind of the idea of the victim, like these are, I have a view of the constraints only versus, um, if you've ever seen Ender's Game, which is mm-hmm. a 
fun little movie about fabulous movie and book and book right um whether it be audible or in print Mm -hmm. um and it's just like that if if for those who haven't watched it it's a worth a you know if you got some spare time and you like sci-fi but the premise is there's clearly unexplicable constraints and victim scenarios with someone trying to um basically address uh, fear of global genocide and, and the sci-fi dystopian future and, and he accomplishes it. But my point is that it was interesting because if you think about that, that was youth, right? That was individuals that were young, mm-hmm. that were, weren't tainted in essence by um, adopting constraints to their environment, right? And so mm-hmm. that was the one, those are the ones that were able to think faster, uh, uh, be more abstract in how they resourced solutions, et cetera. And so what if that applied to us now? And to say that what if our younger generation, uh, our early career auditors were given the challenge to say, listen, this is the budget constraint you have, right? Or this is the uh, permission constraint you have or whatever the constraints are, that's fine. These are just nuggets of solutions. Mm-hmm. So that's around focusing on the constraints and more about we want to deal with the, was it the for- Formix? I think it was a Formix and Ender's game. But anyways, um, but dealing with that end goal. And so I think one of the exciting things about right now is we as leaders have the ability to empower our teams to pull all this together, right? To be their whole self, to bring a different perspective, to use their perhaps fresh perspective in a way to solve a problem, recognizing fully the constraints that our time, budget, scope, whatever they are, to be able to um, format from a virtuality standpoint to be able to solve a problem. And so I think that's just, I, I hear those a lot too, Jason. So. I, I couldn't I couldn't have echoed it uh, even clearer, but I think there's something there that if we pull all this together, could create a much more exciting outcome. Well, you can actually, because Ender's Game was a great example of gamification too. Oh yeah. The kids didn't actually know. They thought they were playing a game. They didn't realize, right. you know, don't want to give too much away for people that are going to read the book, uh, but yeah. the, the kids, the kids <laughs> didn't know what they were actually doing. That's right. But they they used gamification as a way as well, right? So just like you said, you know, here's our constraints. How are we gonna how are we gonna you know do this? Play a game with it. How can we best use this? Because because sometimes I'll still get people that that you know I I mean I've been through all the executive ranks and now I'm really a CEO, okay? And and I get some people sometimes that say well, you know, internal audit should just have an unlimited budget because we're so important or risk management should have an unlimited budget. And it's like, you folks have never run a company if you right. think that because there's right. always constraints on resources. That's right. And so you always have to make make a decision that's in the highest and best use for the organization and from an investment perspective, the return. So, um, but yeah, you can do some things creatively to be able to make the most of it show your stewardship mm-hmm. to the board and to management right. by how well you're taking taking care of those resources and actually start thinking of yourself as an investment center instead of a cost center you start thinking of yourself as an investment center right. you start acting like an investment center and showing the results then the cfo is going to start seeing you as an investment center that's right. Yeah, the tagline for my team is this kind of internal audit reimagined. Mm-hmm. Like, what if? Imagine if. Like, as a way to introduce for ourselves as a mantra to to kind of move towards something that could look uh, very different. Um, but I, I love the stewardship comment. It doesn't matter. It's internal audit. Insert HR, IT, uh, anybody, Georgia business unit, Korean, whatever it is. Like, we all have to be good. I love the stewardship idea. Like, what's the best way to steward your resources, personally, professionally, your time, et cetera, But be willing to move forward. 
Yeah. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. I know we can, I could keep talking all day, but I know people, (laughs) people got to get back to whatever they're doing. (laughs) We we do as well. But uh, Mike, thanks for um, coming on and talking. I, every, every time we talk, it's, it's kind of fun because like I said, we, we've, um, I think, I, I think view a lot of the stuff and the whole, the whole, whole self at work is to me, it's an important thing. That's why I know you're still doing a lot more of the practitioner, you know, stuff of actually, you know, helping actually get the audit plan done, right. you know, getting right. shit done at work. Right. Where now I'm, I'm focused more kind of on that whole self and more of mm-hmm. the psychology and mindset and the leadership and the mm-hmm. transformation and growth from a, from an individual perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just love, love the discussion today. So yeah. fun stuff, fun stuff. Thanks Jason for letting me uh, share some thoughts and, and just been hearing your views as well through this time has been helpful. And I think all of us are, have a great opportunity, um, today, tomorrow, the next week, it's just a matter of finding those things in there that really can, can move the needle personally and as a team. Well, it can. And is it, if, if you can reimagine it, mm-hmm. you can make it happen. That's right. Because everything that is is created in physical form is first created mentally. Because right. every, everything in this world is mental. Uh, and maybe I'll get into that on a deeper podcast later. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for that today. And it might take a couple, a couple to get through. But anyway, but it's, it's um, yeah. So just like you're trying to help, you know, reimagine what internal audit could look like. Everybody out there that's listening, try to reimagine what it could look like or how things could be different where you're at too. Just start thinking about it. Ideas will come to your head and then start taking some action and make it different. Um, yeah. Good sure. stuff. All right. All right, man. Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate yeah. it. You bet. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.